everlasting truth that endures forever. God's permanent truth. Let's do our first reading in the book of John, chapter 8, from verse 31 to 36. That's John, chapter 8, verse 31 to 36. Then Jesus said to, the, to, to those Jews who believed him, If you abide in my words, you are my disciples, my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants, and have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will make you will make free? You will be made free. Sorry. Verse 34. Jesus answered them, Most assuredly I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. And the slave does not abide in the house forever, but the son abides forever. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. Amen. You can already see the inconsistency there. Everyone, everyone knows that. The Israelites had been in slavery for over 400 years. Everyone knows that, except these Jews. This conversation happened in a particular context with the Jews who believed in the Lord but ignored the scripture. Not only they lied that they were never slaves, but they did not understand that the Lord was referring to spiritual slavery. Slave. Slavery to sin. They lied. And they did not discern what the Lord was talking about. How can you say we are slaves? How can you say you will make us free. We've never been in bondage to anyone. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Oh, dear brethren, how true is this? We need to know the truth, the truth that sets us free. Pay careful attention to the context here. Verse 31. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him. We're talking about people who believed in him. But who did not discern the ways of the Lord. Did not understand the freedom, the liberty we have in Christ. Oh dear brethren, how sad we find ourselves in this situation nowadays. Believers professing to love and to follow Christ, yet living in ignorance, yet being tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine in search for convenience and comfort. 
If the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Let's go to our second reading. That's in John, same book. John chapter 18. John chapter 18. And we read from verse 33 to 38. That John 18, 33 to 38. Then Pilate entered the praetorium again, called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered him, Are you speaking for yourself about this? Or did others tell you this concerning me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you to me. What have you done? 36. Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servant would fight so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now, my kingdom is not from here. Verse 37. Pilate therefore said to him, Are you a king then? Jesus answered, You said rightly that I am a king. For this cause I was born, and for this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Pilate said to him, What is the truth? And when he had said this, he went out again to the Jews and say to them, I find no fault in him at all. What is the truth? Well, Pontius Pilate was a very learned man. He is confronted with the, the personified, if I may say so, the truth itself. He is challenging his trouble. And he asked this capital, this crucial question, what is the truth? Oh, if only we could know the whole truth. Everyone is in search for the truth. In religion, in philosophies, everywhere people are in search for the truth. And Pontius Pilate was confronted with the truth. He was challenged and asked the question, what is the truth? And then went outside and declared, I find no fault in this man. Because, friends, truth is pure. Truth is innocent. Truth cannot be brought down. Truth remains truth regardless. Jesus was born and came into this world to bear witness to the truth. Jesus was born and came into this world to bear witness to the truth because no one else could do so. 
He is himself the truth. He came to reveal the wickedness of the heart of man. The rebellious nature we inherited from our forefathers, from our first parents. He came to reveal that. He came to reveal that we do not love God naturally. We are criminals naturally. God haters naturally. What is the truth? Look to Jesus. Well, I came across a very good uh, quote recently, which says, when you read the Bible, the Bible reads you and reveal the reality of your heart before God. The word truth It's very, very difficult to define. If I ask you to define the word truth, you will all come with bits of definition. It will be right, but it's very, very difficult. You check it out by yourself in the dictionary and find how truth is defined. Very, very difficult. In the Encyclopedia Britannica, even there, it's very, very difficult. In there, it says, truth relates or agrees to the facts. It's very difficult to define truth independently. No. Truth can only meaningfully be defined when it's confronted or compared to what is a lie. That's the reason why when you stand before the judge, the judge will confront what you're saying with a set of guidelines. Those guidelines are meant to detect lies. No wonder people never say, I'm telling you the truth. People say, I'm not even lying. <laughs> you heard that? Not I'm telling the truth, I'm not even lying. Because the truth is easily identified when confronted, compared to a lie that's disguised as the truth. It's a very important word, the truth. When Jesus Christ says, I am the truth, it's a very serious statement. Even Pilate question asked, so what is the truth then? The word truth is very difficult to define in isolation. In the context of the discourse with Pontius Pilate, truth can be defined as something expressed in contrast to a lie that disguises itself as truth. And truth is absolute.
God's absolute truth answers fundamental and existential questions about humanity. The question of our origins, the current condition, and our final destiny. Unfortunately, as it is written in the book of Romans, chapter 1, verse 18, there are people who have committed all their life working actively to suppress the truth of God in unrighteousness. All their life, all their undertaking and effort in this world is to suppress the truth of God. How sad, unfortunately. But the truth of God endures forever. We stand. Jesus Christ said, I am the truth and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever believes and believes in me shall never die. And he asked this question. Do you believe this? Remember the context. When the Lord said, you will know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. He was talking to people who believe in him. We live in, in a very difficult context, perilous times. Everything is becoming relative. Everything. But the truth of God is absolute. Some may call it narrow-minded. A good friend of mine in America used to say, Gee, I don't care if I, I'm narrow-minded as long as I'm with God. In his discourse with Pilate, the Lord reveals another truth. He reveals that his kingdom is not of this world, and it is built on the truth. The kingdom of God is built on the truth. Those who belong to Christ have an ultimate spiritual identity that is not of this present world. The standard of the truth we believe in is not of this world. Though we live on this earth temporarily, our standard of living, the object and the subject of our belief is not of this world. The kingdom of God is not of this world, but Christ will establish it in all the earth one day. Meanwhile, that kingdom is currently in us who believe in Jesus Christ. Because he reigns already in us. He is our Lord and he is our King. So his kingdom is already in operation in you and me. Because Christ lives in us. And he is our Lord and our King. So, 
It is heretical to teach that we will establish the kingdom of God on this earth as we become richer, as we become successful in this life, and Christians occupy all the high position in the society, then the kingdom of God will be established. That is known as the heresy of kingdom dominion. Christians, Christians will take over all the high position. They will have all the skyscrapers in the in, in, in town. They will be the richest people. And then Christ, like a cherry, will come to sit on the <laughs> Kingdom dominion. That's not true. Christ, like that stone in the book of Daniel that is falling from heaven unaided, will establish his kingdom himself. And we with him shall reign and serve him. Nobody will establish that kingdom. That is a lie. Unfortunately, multitude are falling into that heresy of so called kingdom dominion. Because of the hope of becoming rich and successful in the society in order to hasten Christ coming back now. I've told you in the past, but I've come to realize that none of you believes me, that English is a very good language. You see, just by changing words in English, you can, can, you can get very different things. When you say prosperity gospel, it means something else. When you say gospel prosperity, it means something else. One of them is biblical, the other one is demonic. <laughs> Christ will establish his kingdom himself, and we with him shall reign and serve him as kings and priests. The kingdom of God is one of righteousness and truth. It's founded and built up on truth. That truth is currently found in the church, the body of Christ, the household of God, which is the pillar and the ground of the truth. This makes people very nervous. We are called arrogant. What? The truth of Christ is in his church. That way the Holy Spirit works in the people who Respect, obey, and follow Him. The church, the household of God, is defined as the pillar and the ground of the truth. Well, when Saul of Tarsus was persecuting the church, Jesus Christ prayed to him and said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Christ identified Himself with His body. He speaks through his body. It is through his body that he revealed his mystery. The truth is in the church. Glory be to God. Truth is pure, is virtuous, is certain, is credible, reliable, is constant, is faithful in its essence. Truth is established 
Truth is stable. Truth is right. Emeth in Hebrew. E-M-E-T-I-H in Hebrew is the word which encompasses every characteristic I've just said here. Just for the truth. Truth is not afraid of contradiction because truth defends itself. So, what are the facts that sustain the biblical truth? Remember we say truth relates to facts. Truth agrees with facts. So what are those facts? We were conceived in sin and we inherited the sinful nature. It's a fact. We have all sinned against God and we fall short of the glory of God. It's a fact. It is appointed unto man to die once. After this, the judgment. Well, you see, when you read the full verse, it's slightly uh, divert from the frightening bit. It is appointed unto man to die. Just stop there for a while. Frightening reality. It is an appointment. Nobody will escape. It's a matter of when. Yeah? We learn about uh, uh, deep freezing processes when people will take dead body and they will deep freeze them in the hope that one day they will find the cause of their death and they will resuscitate them and they will continue to live. You know, our kids were smiling when I was saying, I want to live forever young. It's you before 40, I think. Well, you can't live forever, you will die. It is appointed unto man to die once. It's a fact. And the Bible says and reminds us of that. I was talking to a brother on the phone on Wednesday for two hours. He was very troubled about what is happening, the perplexity with the COVID, etc. And I said to him, uh, almost every, every week, almost. When I sit with my family, I talk to them about death. Talk to them about death because it will happen. We don't know who will go first, probably me, because I'm older than them. So I talk to them of my hope in Jesus Christ. And what they should do if they want to find me in order for us to live eternally. <laughs> what they need to do behind me. So I talk, with, I talk about it without fear. It's a fact, but Christ is life and resurrection. Amen. Those who believe in him we live though they die. We're not afraid to talk about life. And my dear brother in Christ who is a, is a deacon in a church somewhere, he said to me, to be honest, I can't talk like that. I'm a bit concerned when I think about my children. I say, well, I am concerned too, but God says he shows his kindness to one thousand generations for those who love me. He will, do, he will be a better father than me if he decides to take me. That's my hope. Here we are. A deacon, preacher of the word of God. So frightened by the idea of, the, of death. Now, we look beyond the grave, dear friends. Praise the Lord. It is a fact. 
Another fact is that we cannot save ourselves. With all our good intention, our good work, are like a filthy garment. We can't save ourselves, it's a fact. God sent his son to die for our sins. He was buried and rose again the third day. It's a fact, historical fact. There is no other name by which we can be saved. Jesus is the only way to God. And the absolute truth. Someone said Jesus never said he is the only way. Okay, that's good. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Full stop. Someone challenged that and said he never said I'm the only way. Then you read on, no one comes to the Father except, what does that mean? Jesus is not a truth. Like in a supermarket where you can pick and choose one truth. No, he is the truth. He is the way. The only way. Christ from Christ from the Greek and Messiah from the Hebrew. Both words mean the anointed one. That's what Christ is. Some people think Christ is a nickname. It's a divine title. The anointed one by God. In Isaiah 53 and 61, Isaiah chapter 53 and 61, do not turn to it. Those two chapters give us a kind of job description and appears personal specification of what the Messiah or Christ should look like in order to be recognized. Isaiah 53, Isaiah 61, amongst many other scriptures, give us key features, characteristics, traits, indications as to how we should recognize the Messiah when he comes. When John the Baptist's disciples came to ask Jesus Christ if he was the Messiah, in English it says if he was the one who was, who was coming, the one to come. But in French it's very specific, if he was the Messiah. He answered them saying, Go and tell John what you see and hear. Do you understand? So, there are indications which I call qualifications for identifying beyond any shadow of doubt 
who the Messiah would be. The Lord does not waste time arguing with John the Baptist's disciples. It's me. He said, now, just look and go and tell John the Baptist what you see and hear. In other words, test against the scripture, what the scripture says the Messiah would be. We used to sing this beautiful song, El Shaddai. Though they were contest the plan, they just could not understand. The plan is here to recognize the Messiah, but they could not. Go and tell him what you see and hear. So, at the start of his public ministry, in Luke chapter 4, verse 18 and 19 to 19, the Lord Jesus quoted a scripture from Isaiah 61, and he concludes this. In Luke chapter 4, verse 21, the Lord concludes, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. That is after quoting from Isaiah 61, the list of the things the Messiah ought to do. The Lord is quoting from that and telling his hearers, today, right here, this word is being fulfilled. The job description of the Messiah is fulfilled totally in Jesus Christ. The truth. These qualifications listed in Isaiah 61 and in Luke 4, 18-19, these qualifications of the Messiah were all fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Salvation is proclaimed in his name, good news is preached in his name, the forgiveness is given, restoration, healings, genuine miracles are performed by the workings of God, even the raising of the dead. Only the Messiah could do that. You will understand why this is important. Because you might be wondering what has this to do with the truth? I thought we were talking about the truth. Well, we need to study the truth in order to recognize it. The truth is a person. The truth is Jesus Christ. He did not say, I have the truth. He said, I am the truth. So we need to study that in order to be established, grounded. What's the other word I'm looking for? Founded in him. Established, rooted in that truth. That we shall not be carried away, tossed to and fro, and carried about by every wind of doctrine. One of the issues I've been, and you have been, dealing with in recent time every day, question about COVID. I get questions all the time. When you talk with, uh, with brethren on the phone, in my inbox, it's all about COVID. And the most popular question I face 
which I'm not pretending to give you an answer now, and I won't, is what do we do about the vaccine there? Because they say there is the mark of the beast in it. I've already spent two hours on Wednesday in the night time speaking to a brother about that. I'm tired. That's a discussion for another day. I know you want to hear something about it. That's a discussion. No, we are trouble. It's pressing. What is the Pray to the Lord, he will give wisdom. That's what I told the pastor yesterday. It's time to seek wisdom from above. So, in Thessalonians, the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. It's very almost <coughs> difficult to talk about to preach the gospel these days without touching on end times. It's very, very difficult. Because of the times in which we live in, because of the direction things are taking, because of the countdown, because of the fast unfolding of events leading to the beginning of the sorrows spoken in the Bible. The second coming of Jesus Christ. Everything is leading towards that parousia, that great event, Jesus Christ coming back. But first, all these birth plans have to come before. The sorrows must happen before. I was telling the family yesterday that the birth pants, when they start, must reach the peak before the baby can come. They must reach the peak before the baby can come. The Lord is referring to all these things as the beginning of the sorrows. And things will grow. Therefore, we need to fasten our seatbelt and be ready. The plan is here. We do not rely on the newspaper. We know the plan here from the book. By the Holy Spirit, through prayer, through fellowship with God, through trusting Him, He will reveal to His servant what He's going to do. But we have the fullness of the plan here already. Do not be anxious, but make your request known unto God. Well, there are very good reasons to be anxious. But the Bible says, be not anxious. That's God saying that. The Lord is saying, fear not. Because He knows that He is with you. You have to pay attention and realize that God is with you. And that God is in charge of everything. There is, uh, there is heavenly peace in heaven. Heaven is not disturbed. 
and that way God is in charge of the universe as well as of you and me. Put your trust in God regardless of what is happening around you. But at the end of the day, it is appointed unto man to die at the time appointed by God. If not, then we await the blessed appearing of Jesus Christ. We look beyond the tomb. In the day we close our eyes in death, instantly, instantly, we land into Jesus Christ's hands. Instantly. And the body is thrown in a grave somewhere there. Or burned, even. We are with Jesus Christ, instantly. We know that from Stephen. We know that from Paul. Paul was divided a little bit, not in a bad way. He says it's much better to be with the Lord, but because of your sake, because of you. He's preoccupied by the building up of the church, but he knows that it's better to be with the Lord. So it's either live for God or be with the Lord there. That's the reason we are here. And we have to understand that. Now, the kind of peace the Lord promises to us, the kind of peace that surpasses all understanding, so long as we keep our hearts and mind in Him. He says, the kind of peace I give you is different from the parody of peace promised in this world. You see, troubled people are promising peace. People are so troubled. And do you know what they do? They go to see a psychologist who is sitting in his office, who is uh, supposedly providing peace to the troubled people, besides dealing with his own peace, and then sending you a bill and invoice for that. And being himself troubled by COVID situation, not knowing what will happen tomorrow. Now, Jesus Christ is the, is the Tsar Shalom. is the Prince of Peace. Peace I give to you, not as the world gives. The peace I give to you, that's the peace is given. Our security, our safety is in Christ. You are my hiding place. That's where we are hiding. That's where we get our peace from. Inside. Undisturbed by external factors. Peace as a result of our reconciliation with the Father. That's the kind of peace we're talking about here. But meanwhile, there will, there will be a false promise of peace and security. There is a false promise of peace and security. That's the link I was talking about. The link between this topic and the end time. As we look to Jesus Christ, the truth of 
his prophecy and the unfolding of the event he foretold, there are people working actively to suppress that truth in order to send the multitude into hell, eternity without God. And that also comes with a false promise of peace and safety, unfortunately. And people choose that. So, that's the dynamic, as I call it. The dynamics of the coming of the Antichrist. It is the spirit of the Antichrist that is at work. since the time of the Apostles. That spirit is at work. That lying spirit is at work. So, the coming of the Antichrist starts with a promise to restore peace and security in a troubled world. He will rise up out of the sea. From Revelation 13, the Antichrist will rise up out of the We'll come back to that in a minute, God will. So, notice this. He is not the anti-Muhammad. He's not the anti-Buddha. He's not the anti-Krishna. He is the anti-Christ. In French, he is called Antichrist. C'est l'Antichrist. That's how it's called in French. But because of the influence of English, even French people start saying l'Antichrist. But it's l'Antichrist in French. It's called Antichrist in French. So, both works, anyway. Ante and anti, they both work. So, he is the Antichrist because he opposed Christ and exalted himself. He is Ante. Ante means before, prior, before. He is Ante, Antichrist. <laughs> because he comes before Christ. And he is a false Christ because he poses in lieu of Christ and craftily comes in the so-called name of Christ according to Matthew 24 verse 5 many will come in my name he is coming supposedly in the name of so-called Jesus Christ but he's actually coming in the name of the devil. Hmm. For the Antichrist to be received in this world, he will have to display a parody that is a fake resemblance of the fulfillment of the Messiah's qualifications I was talking about earlier. You can begin to see the link. So he has to come and display the qualifications of the Messiah 
Because the Messiah told John the Baptist's disciples, Go and tell John what you see and hear. He quoted from Isaiah 61 and said, That word is fulfilled now. The question was, Are you the Messiah? Go and read in Isaiah 61 and see if I am. So in order for the anti-Messiah, anti-Christ, to be received in this world, he will have to try and display the same miraculous, the same thing Jesus Christ did in order to be received. Unfortunately, to some extent, he will perform those things. The Bible says, to the extent that he will be able to bring fire from heaven. Fire. To the amazement of the whole world. What does the Bible say? The coming of the lawless one will come by the working of the dead. With all signs and lying wonders. Do you understand? Because he has to convince people that he is the Messiah. But that will be a parody of that. A false copy. But the Bible says his works, his spirit is already at work. And it's been like that for some time. His spirit is working already. Signs and wonders, lying miracles, etc. is working already. The Bible says the deception and the, the seduction will be so widespread that it will be possible to deceive even the elect only if that was possible, but it's not possible. Only for those who reject the truth of God, the saving truth of God, will give heed to those things. The Bible says because they do not receive the love of God to be saved, God will send them a strong delusion that they might believe in life. They did not receive the love of the truth to be saved. So they are unsaved people who will be deceived. Not the people with the spirit of Jesus Christ. Impossible. It is the spirit of truth. How does, I told you the other day, how does a young baby recognize good milk from rotten milk? How? They can't read, they can't read the label, they don't know the expiry date. How can they reject and vomit instantly? Because it is built into the organism. It is built. God has made them like that. They are able to know this is the, the good man and this is the rotten one. Instantly. What does the Bible say? Like newborn babe desire the pure milk of the world. That's the only hope. That's the only way we will stand. The truth of God. But we have to know that truth in order to be able to stand and to resist the enemy's devices and the seduction of the end time. The spirit of the Antichrist is already at work. 
Compare Luke 4, 18 to 19 with Matthew 11, 2 to 4. Not now. If I'm too fast, you can take the verses after all. I can post it to you if you want a copy of the full teaching. Es-tu le Messie ou devons-nous attendre quelqu'un d'autre? Are you the Messiah or shall we wait another one? Or is there another one coming? Was the question. Go and tell John the things which you hear and see. The blind see and the lame walk. The lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up. The poor have the gospel preached to them. Matthew 11. That's the job description of the Messiah. But the coming of the Antichrist, also called the lawless one, the son of perdition and the beast, will be based on deception, not on the truth, on deception. That deception will be sustained by a growing number of false prophets who will deceive many. They are working to prepare the world for the coming of the Antichrist. So many are standing in churches, preaching the false gospel, performing fake counterfeit miracles in order to draw people after themselves and commit them to the coming son of perdition, the beast, against the Holy One. So the battle is not just against the world, but people professing to preach the Bible are making things so difficult for us. So people who are fleeing the world to come in the church where they think they will find hope and salvation, they are finding savage wolves. They call themselves shepherds. You know, savage wolves are not very far in looking from German shepherds. In Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 9, the coming of the lawless one will, will be according to the working of Satan, with all power, signs, and lying wonders, with all unrighteousness and deception among those who perish. Why are they perishing? Because they did not receive the love of the truth that they may be saved. Therefore, God is sending them a strong delusion that they will believe in a lie. In the first place, they never received the truth of God to be saved. That is for unsaved people. Those who have tasted that the Lord is good cannot rejoice in iniquity. False miracles now. I remember in 2003, I was uh, exhorting someone who used to attend Lambeth College together and uh, he was an adept of these things and I was explaining it from the Bible and one day 
I asked him, what do you think? We've been talking about these things for one week now. Do you understand the danger in which you find yourself in? He kept quiet for a while. He looked at me and he said, that is true. But we want miracle. He was from Nigeria. <laughs> we want miracle. That's what he said to me. Yes, it's true what you say, but I want miracle. How sad. How sad. The coming of the lawless one will be according to the working of the devil. Remember that parody, that satanic trinity, the devil who is uh, the father of lie, that is the originator of lie, the father of lie, the antichrist who is uh, the son of perdition, and then the spirit of error will rule over this world. For an appointed time. The widespread movement of lying, signs, and wonder are according to the work of Satan. But the Lord will protect those who love him. Those who have received, believe, and live his truth. You will know the truth, and the truth will free you. If the sun sets you free, you will be free indeed. Water proof. Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. Not many ways. As taught in Freemasonry, that God is like a mountain you can claim from which whatever side you are, no. Maybe all roads lead to Rome, but only one leads to God, Jesus Christ. By today's standards and culture, this statement will sound too narrow-minded, politically incorrect, but remember, these are the words of Jesus Christ. Who is the truth? What is the truth? The promise of peace and safety is key. Is a key factor for the end time. The one who can provide peace is the one who wins. No wonder the Antichrist will promise peace and safety because people are so troubled because that's what people are after. Everyone wants comfort, convenience, peace, safety. That's exactly what the Antichrist will provide. Remember, he is rising out of the sea. What does the Bible say in Revelation 17, verse 15? The sea are peoples, nations, tongues, tribes. So the Antichrist will emerge from people. Hang on, hang on. Not still sea, not still water. It's the kind of water described in Isaiah 57, verse 20. 
The wicked are like the sea, like roaring waves, troubled waters. That's the kind of sea from which the Antichrist will emerge. Social unrest, social revolution, demonstration everywhere and is everywhere. People are tired. People are dismayed. They want an answer. People are perplexed. The Bible speaks of distressed nations. People want an answer. Who is, where is the Savior? That's the context. That's the sea out of which the Antichrist will emerge. And with a promise of peace and safety. But the Bible says, when people give heed to that, when they shout, peace, peace, safety, safety, suddenly they will be overtaken by the coming of Jesus Christ. The Prince of Peace, our hiding place. The world is being conditioned. Everything you see, Brother Garika, Brother Garika, who lives in America, a very good brother, was allowed by God for 10 years with a group of sound, very sharp intellectual believers to infiltrate Freemasonry for 10 years. 10 years. God allowed them, good friend, sharp, sound, first class believers to infiltrate Freemasonry for 10 years. Until they reach a point where God said, that's it, because that you cannot do. Enough. Now come out and tell my people what you've seen and prepare the church. In 1994, they disseminated the findings and they gave the plan from the Freemasonry about the New World Order. They displayed the plan in 10 steps. I don't have time for that. Maybe next time we'll focus on Revelation 13. We're talking about the beginning of the 90s. Already they plan about the environmental movement, about the introduction of the, uh, the worldwide global tax to save the environment. All those being steps, stones to the coming of the Antichrist. Well, I'm saying that someone said to me, COVID is not a pandemic because of the number of people who are dying. Therefore, you know, very little, few people are dying. It's not a pandemic. I said that's not the definition of pandemic. Christians should be reasonable as well. A pandemic is not about the number of people who are dying. It's about the extent. It's a global thing. Whether it's two or three people, when it touches all the nations, then it's a pandemic. Let's be reasonable here. Pandemic come and go. They can be overcome either by vaccine or they can be extended, they can go away or they can stay and there could be a vaccine to live with them. That reason, however, however, some believers come and say, you know, Beware with conspiracy theories, you see conspiracy everywhere. My answer to them is, 
I agree with you, but there are too many coincidences to, to overlook. Yes, there is a disease, there is a pandemic. Yes, the government needs to deal with this worldwide. Yes, something needs to be done about this. We need to protect ourselves, that's true. But the globalists are trying to take advantage because there is an unprecedented context that for once they are things that people are doing the same at the same time worldwide. For the globalists, that is a big step in the fulfillment of the agenda for the introduction of the new world order. These things are, could be beneficial with dealing with a disease, but behind the scenes, there in the background, some people are using this to fulfill the agenda. To have the world, the whole world, singing from the same hymn sheets, doing the same thing at the same time, enforcing that, they're already thinking about the next step globally. But at the same time, Christians need to be reasonable and understand the times in which we live in. Seek God for wisdom. Someone say, I don't want to wear the mask because it's the mark of the beast. I say, yeah, but the contamination is true. I'm blessed with a wife who is a nurse, but not just any nurse, a nurse. She gets her living from dealing, looking after the COVID patient on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. It is traumatizing at, at times for the family. So she sees firsthand what is happening. To tell someone like that that COVID is a, is a, is a, is a fake, is a joke, that's not reasonable. She sees people coming. She sees people dying on a daily basis. Let's be reasonable here. And wise as believers. Well, I don't want to wear a mask. I respect that. I don't want to do that. I respect that. But what about your neighbor? We call to be good Samaritans, as Brother Barry said, to look after one another. But that's not the issue. My point is, as true as these things are, the globalists are working very hard behind the scenes for the introduction of the new world order, which will be an infrastructure of the, for the coming of the Antichrist, conditioning the whole, the whole world for accepting the Antichrist. Okay, I'm going to stop there. Now I know that there will be a part two. <laughs> Next time. Time is time. Before time is no time. After time is no longer time. We're going to stop there. And look at these things. Next time, which is the 3rd of January. God willing. Thank you for listening. Take these things on board. Walk. In the counsel of the Almighty, do not be afraid, trust the Lord. If death comes, it comes. If it comes, it comes. And if it comes, the Lord will have allowed it to come for us. We are in the Lord's hands. Do not be afraid. Look to the Lord. Stick to the Lord. Cling on to the Lord. 
until he comes. May the joy of the Lord be your strength. Stand in the Lord and he will keep you in perfect peace. Amen.